Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a New Year's Eve morning. We're here today to get you ready for a massive Saturday in local sports. We got the Rose Bowl and we got that followed by the Jazz and the Warriors. And the Jazz, two games behind the Warriors and Suns in the race for the best record in the NBA. First matchup of the year for the Jazz and Warriors. We're going to hear from Joe Ingles later this hour. We're going to start you off with Utah defensive coordinator Morgan Scally. Here's some of his press conference at the Rose Bowl as people talk to him about the Utah defense. And, of course, the question we all have, Ohio State. I know they're going to be missing some guys, but 45 points a game, 550 yards per game, a great passing attack, and a great rushing game. How are the Utes going to slow these guys down? Here's Morgan Scally with the media. How's the week been, Morgan? It's been great. Yeah, I mean, obviously very well done. Uh, you know, it's a big-time bowl, and they do a great job of giving our guys the best experience possible. You know, our administration as well as in everything to make sure that the players are enjoying this, right? Two parts of the bowl game is, you know, the game is obviously the most important, but our players enjoying the experience would be a number two. You know, they deserve this. They've earned it, and uh, happy for them. How's the weeks leading up to this, kind of the bowl prep in Salt Lake and here? Yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want them to get stale. So you, you break up the practices, you know, making sure that they, they stay active, uh, that they stay in condition. Uh, Coach Witt has done an awesome job throughout the years of understanding what it takes to make sure that these guys are fresh uh, as well as in shape when you get to the bowl site. So kind of just standard fare. This group's experience and having been in bowls and played in big games together, does that make the preparation for the game a little bit easier because big games and things, stages like this aren't new to them? Yeah, I mean, we're still dealing with a lot of youth on this team. So this is... Uh, you know, first time for a lot of guys on this on this team. Uh, some of the vets obviously have been have played in some some big time games throughout the years, and uh, these younger guys they played in the championship game. They've played you know we we've had to win throughout the the season to kind of stay alive and, and to to be in contention to win the championship. So every game's a big game, but uh, these ones are a little bit more special. When you look at your secondary, especially with how thin you are there, I mean, how do you feel that you can, you can kind of combat what Ohio State does? Well, obviously, very talented wide receiving core, very talented offense, period. Um, and, you know, what you see is you've got to do a, kind of a, a mixture of things, particularly when we're as thin as we are. you got to be able to do a mixture of things um, to make the quarterback hold on to the ball a little bit longer. So you got to be great in disguise. Um, you also have to understand your strengths and weaknesses and, and where, you know, we're going to, if we're going to get beat, here's where we're going to get beat, right? Um, but, uh, uh, man, our guys have practiced well, and uh, we're excited for the uh, the opportunity. Morgan, just to follow that up, um, in terms of depth, to try and help that, have there been any position changes going to the cornerback spot? Well, we've experimented with a bunch of different guys. You know, obviously, uh, you've got great athletes that, that come to university, and some have played both sides of the ball. So, uh, we've experimented with a, a number of guys, and uh, you'll see on game day. Anybody that might stick on game day? Uh, no comment. 
<laughs> when you watch C.J. Stroud play, I know you recruited him a little bit out of high school, but this kid's a redshirt freshman and already a Heisman finalist. What stands out about Stroud? Just his decision making. For a young for a young player, very good decision maker. Uh, gets the ball out quick. Understands when pressure's coming, where to go with the ball. Um, you know, very good athlete. He's looking to throw first, but man, when he takes off, he can run. And uh, he just he for as young as he is, like I said, very football savvy quarterback. Comparable to anybody you've seen. Oh, many. Th- I mean, throughout the years, I, I just, uh, I mean, just, Justin Herbert is a guy that, that understood as well coverage and how to attack coverage, uh, getting some pre-snap reads as to what you're doing, where to go with the football, you know, based on what coverage you're in. Um, also dangerous running the ball. So I would say those two. Uh, any sigh of relief for a defensive coordinator when Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave opt out? <laughs> Not when they're as talented as a, as a team as they are. You know, I mean, obviously they're very talented wide receivers, uh, but they've recruited and they've got depth. And, uh, you know, it, it, that's, that's college football, right? And uh, you just got to keep on coaching your guys, regardless who's out there, come with your game plan and uh, play ball. Do you go back and... For as much film as you can find on the, the guys stepping in or the, the young guys, we have to, we have film on all of them. Yeah, yeah, and they're good. Do you, do you change your schemes at all, knowing that those two aren't out there? Or Not necessarily. Stays the same. Yeah. How's the uh, the secondary looking? I, I know, especially at corner, you guys have, you guys have been banged up. Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, is, is there growth, especially having these extra practices? I know you guys have said in the past it's very beneficial. Oh, beneficial for your down the line guys as well. Guys that have redshirted or you plan on redshirting, getting those extra reps in. It's almost like another spring ball for us, right? Being able to get those guys reps. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's no secret. We've, we've had to experiment with guys, you know, um, you know, playing a little bit at corner that haven't necessarily played there, but that's that, you know, we've done that with safeties, right? We played our, our three safety scheme for a good amount of the season and, uh, you know, that's definitely something that we've had and practiced throughout the season, and, and so you know uh, we'll have that as well. I, I asked Kyle this, and this also you know applies to you. Having played in the, the Fiesta Bowl, mm-hmm. coached at the Sugar Bowl, and now you're in this kind of college, is there a, a different feel as far as the buildup to this game compared to the Sugar Bowl Fiesta Bowl? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I guess you know the Sugar the Fiesta Bowl was one of those deals where you're the first team to, to bust the BCS, so different feel there. Um, the Sugar Bowl, you know, I think just the matchup people didn't anticipate uh, Utah doing much, right? And I, but I think with this matchup, you got two teams very well respected. They respect each other, and maybe that's the feel is that you're you're going into it with uh, mutual respect, and, and everyone anticipates a good game. Morgan, Kyle has said that this is one of the toughest seasons of his career for obvious reasons. But right. on the flip side of that, he said that uh, he's having more fun now than he has in a long time. Do you get the sense that he's, that he's having fun? As much fun as he can have, I guess. Hey. 
you know, you see one side of Kyle Whittingham, and uh, he's an unbelievable person, and he loves the players. He he is a very player first oriented coach who wants to make sure that they're the ones getting the praise, they're the ones having fun, they're the ones that are enjoying it, and um, that's where he gets you know, his fulfillment. And so, yeah, I mean, a ton of it for him because of what the players have gone through and the success that they're seeing and, and having. So he's he's a good man. You guys have had some success with players who weren't four or five-star guys, maybe making position changes, right? Uh, developing, developing them over the years. What do, you, what do you see in guys like that that maybe others don't see when you're out there recruiting? Well, I think the, just the continuity of, of being at the same place every year, um, playing the same defense, you get a feel for, you know, that type of athlete that fits your scheme, right? And, you, and then you become more confident in your ability. Okay, here's the skill set we're looking for. And then you have to have confidence that you can develop that skill set. Um, and, you know, Coach Whittingham's whole philosophy in our program is recruit, develop, and manage. And so you got to recruit the people to your program that you feel can will, will be a good fit. Number two has the skill set that you can develop into into a, into a Pac-12 player, and then you know just take care of them, give them the tools they need to succeed, uh, teach, hold them accountable, and it's it's a Kyle Whittingham deal. Is that how much in a, in a, in a very impatient era? I know. Does it, how much patience does it require? Not only the players, but the coaches. Well, no, no, quite. We, we have to have patience. You know, Utah is, is very well respected and, and we've, we've spent a number of years earning that respect. Um, we're still not a destination program, according to the rest of the country, and we have to be able to, to develop, right? You get the transfer portal and we're going to take our fair share of kids from the transfer portal, but you also will never lose sight of, of that high school senior that maybe this was his first year starting as as a senior, right? I recruit Houston, Texas, and they get so much depth there that you get these kids that, that go in the program, they're just waiting their time, and then they develop their senior year, and we've had a ton of success with those kids and, and developing them, and we'll continue to do that. There's Morgan Scally with the media. If you want to hear the entire session, go wherever you get podcasts, and you can listen to Morgan Scally. When we come back, we're going to hear from the offensive side of the ball, and we're going to hear from a very popular player playing his last game in a Ute uniform. Britton Covey's coming up next. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, we're at Rose Bowl press conference time here, and Britton Covey, wildly popular player, playing his last game for the Utes before he goes off to the NFL. Here's some Britton with the media in Pasadena. I was thinking about it, the degree of turnover around the Pac-12 during the course of your college career. Right. Except at your school. Yeah. What does the stability that Coach Whittingham, Mm -hmm. knowing he's there, what does that allow the program to do? Well, I think it helps in in multiple ways. One, of course, recruiting. You know, you can pitch that to recruits and say that it'll be the same or a similar coaching staff when you get here. Um, But I think more than anything is it helps with the identity of the program. You know, I think the identity of a program kind of takes after its head coach or its coaching staff. And if it's constantly changing, it's really hard to maintain that. And uh, you can see how the program's identity is embodied by Coach Whittingham, right? And I think that's a good reason, be- or 
due to the fact that he's been here for so long. So I think that helps a lot with the identity of a program. Britton, how do you go from being super excited to be in the Rose Bowl to now getting prepared and winning it? Well, it's kind of like the bowl game experience, right? Knowing how to compartmentalize things and have it be fun when it's fun and work when it's work. But also just understanding that what you'll remember most about this experience is the game. And so I think that uh, what's cool is I've played in multiple bowl games, right? I've played in the Vegas Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Alamo Bowl. Um, you don't need any extra motivation for the guys for the Rose Bowl to, to get them fired up about it, right? You don't need to be getting on people to try and work harder, watch more film because everyone's already doing it. With that being said, how cool is it that you're wrapping up your Utah experience at the Rose Bowl? Yeah, oh, it's unbelievable. And that's a big reason why I chose to just say this is my last year because I'm so content with how things have gone and what better way to go out, right? So uh, I'm really excited to put on that Utah uniform one last time. Way emotional about it. <laughs> you know, I'm a sentimental guy, so uh, I'm excited. A lot of Utah fans making the trip. What do you expect and how awesome has that fan base been this season? The fan base has been huge, right? We haven't lost a single game at home. Um, in my whole career, I think I've only lost two games at home. And uh, I love that they travel, and California is a great spot for Utah fans. Everyone everyone in Utah loves to come down to California. So if we have more fans here than we do at Rice-Eccles, that, that's un unbelievable. So I'm, I'm excited for that. How does Cam Rising go from a guy who got beat out during the summer well, I think, you know, he's always been that guy. I mean, he was the starting quarterback last year and got hurt in the first quarter, right? Um, and then he had to rehab back from a shoulder surgery, and he didn't have that zip, you know, in spring because he was rehabbing, and then in, or in summer um, he missed all spring ball. And so I think part of it was – you know, we knew that Charlie was going to be the start at the beginning of the season, just based off by default, because Cam wasn't wasn't ready yet. But he's always been that guy, you know, when he's healthy. Okay, we're in Hollywood, kind of. What's your Hollywood ending? My Hollywood ending. Well, I get the girl after I score a game-winning touchdown, and I've already married, so I guess you know she can come down on the field and kiss me after. <laughs> When you run out of that field, the Rose Bowl, you played the before against UCLA, but in the Rose Bowl, what do you, what do you imagine that's going to be like? Oh, man, I I haven't even thought that far into it. I just know that I'm going to be taking in every moment. You know, a lot of the times I don't let myself indulge in the moment. Um, but because this is my last game, I'm just going to try and feel everything. You know, go out there and appreciate how many people are there and the atmosphere, what it's like, the history. So for me, I'm just going to be cherishing every moment and, and letting myself indulge in it and, and, or in, you know, take it in, I guess. Of course. you like to be, for you to have personal experience. Yeah. I know you played another Right. What makes it difficult? 
Well, it's really cool to be writing history. You know, a lot of times you kind of look back at things and say, we wrote history, you know. But to be in the middle of it and say, we are currently in the process of writing history, it's pretty cool Yeah, to, to recognize that as a team. Of course. When you realize that, then what is that? Does that make you experience it differently? I mean, you stop to smell the roses? Right. What does that mean? Right. Well, I think there's, yeah, there's a healthy balance of saying we've earned the right to stop and smell the roses a little bit and enjoy our bowl experience and things like that. And then the flip side is the thing you'll remember most about all of this is the game and the outcome of the game. And so you you kind of have to be able to balance that. And uh, I think that coaches have done a good job of helping us realize, like, you've earned the right to enjoy this time and, and to enjoy this experience and, and appreciate and take it all and just play in the game. But also, remember that the thing you'll remember most is the outcome of the game. What do you see in Ohio State's corners? I mean, the defense overall has been up and down. Mm-hmm. Got a couple of guys that have Yeah, the corners are really good. They play um, a consistent technique across the board. And, uh, I mean, that freshman corner is he's just a stud. You can tell he's a, he's a ball hawk and um, got great ball skills. Just a really intelligent player. And so, I, you know... Their corners are going to definitely present some interesting challenges. I think they're the best corners we've faced all year, no doubt in my mind. And uh, I'm excited to see how they play us, you know, because we present challenges of our own on offense that that are difficult to match up against. And uh, sometimes teams have to adjust how they play because we play three tight ends a lot of times. And so, you know, where do the corners funnel the receivers to or things like that. But uh, just as players, their corners are really good. Yeah, is it challenging to prepare for them since they sort of – they flipped a lot between too high and uh-huh. high, and they weren't necessarily sure where they wanted yeah. to be. Yeah, but it's similar to any other team where you look at the team they're playing against and their strengths, and you kind of get a feel for what you think they'll do against us. Um, so I, I'm curious. I believe they'll play a lot of one high, cover three, or they'll just play one high man and, you know, stack the box a little bit because um, I think they trust their corners, and that's kind of the luxury that you have if you trust your corners. You can play some of these coverages and the anyways, I think that's what they're gonna do, but who knows? So that that creates some the man coverage can be a challenge but also an opportunity. Exactly. And and you I think Coach Ludwig puts us in a good position to recognize that early in the game. Um, because whatever they're in, two high, cover four, you know, one high man, cover three. If you can recognize what their tendencies are early in the game and then say, Okay, we prepared this portion of our bull prep was based for this, let's, you know, start throwing this into the mix. And so it, it's nice to trust your offensive coordinator. I guess what I'm saying. What does it take to be an effective punt returner? Because that seems to be like, I, I wouldn't want a team running head, headstrong right in right. like that, and yet you excel at it. Oh. Well, that's what I think the first thing it takes is courage, right? <laughs> courage and confidence in catching the ball, because that's the first aspect. But then there's a lot of little skills that you build. You know, just things like 
from the time the ball is snapped to the ball is kicked, it's about 1.8 seconds. And in that time, you're looking at the whole line and who gets down the field fast. Then from the time the punter punts the ball to the time it's at its apex is about two seconds. And then you've, that's the two seconds you read where the ball lands. And then it's about 1.5 or to two from the apex to the, to the point to, or to the ground. And that's when you're using your peripheral. Anyway, so there's a lot of like different tricks that go along with it. And so it's just not, I got the ball. I don't I'm running. Run over. <laughs> right. I'm going to run for daylight. Well, there's definitely an element to that too. You know, I just don't want to get run over. So. Um, what does uh, Camera Isaac mean to this team? I mean, obviously, you know, he, ha- he hasn't had to go out there and have those 400-yard games, but you, know, you guys have been very successful this season, you know, getting off to the slow the one and two start and then going through beating uh, Oregon twice in three weeks. I mean, what does Cam mean? Uh, I think Cam is, is like a kind of a symbol for our team in the sense that we had a slow start and we finishing strong and he when he got here he had a slow start he got injured the first game last year against USC and then battled his way back didn't play the first three games and now he's finishing strong so it's kind of just they're similar um, stories I've gotten up and down the stat roster and it's not like there's one guy at receiver right I mean, you know there's totally one, one guy leads in receptions one guy leads in yards one guy leads in touchdowns down six seven deep I mean is sometimes is that more dangerous because it's not like we're going to put our best corner on this guy and lock him down and 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 then we're good everywhere else it's I think that there are pros and cons to each style right I mean we're the winningest team in the Pac-12 over the last six years and yet we have never had a 1,000 yard receiver in any of those seasons and so I think that that it just shows our identity a little bit, right? Um, we've never been receiver university, right? Like Ohio State's almost got three guys or three guys in the thousand, which is insane. But uh, it, they each present their own challenge, and I think that it goes more along with the identity of the challenge that we're trying to present. When you know in Big Ten country, everybody looks at Utah. This twenty twenty one team's like it's a physical team. Mm-hmm. Is that is that you know is that your identity? Yeah, I believe it's our identity. I think that's the identity that Coach Witz tried to carry throughout his whole career. So. <laughs> Obviously, you, you've been around for a while. You had your LDS mission in the middle. I mean, what, what year did you graduate high school? Uh, 2015. 2015. Yeah. Are you tired of hearing all the old man jokes at this point? Yes, because I am the fifth oldest on the team. There are multiple guys older than me on the team. And I don't want to, I'm going to point them out one day. <laughs> <clears throat> but you, you certainly have, you know, a, a, a perspective because for sure you're not some 19 year old kid. Yeah. Well, it's cool to look back at my career and realize, you know, you know how young these people, these guys I'm playing with, actually are, right? And so it's fun to feel like the older brother on the team, and I felt like that the last couple of years. Get back to the punt returner thing I, again. I, the, I watched a couple telecasts and talked about what you know the next step could be. Do you think you could be that punt returner, Swiss Army knife type of guy at the next level? I believe I can. I 
you know, I think that teams will be surprised at some of my skill sets when I get a chance because, like you said, this isn't a receiver-heavy offense, so I feel like I'm going to be able to prove a lot of things that I can do at the next level, and I know as a punt returner that that's a key position there, just to even catch the ball, you know, and so that's what I'm hoping someone takes a shot on me for. There's Britton Covey. If you want to hear his entire media session, wherever you get podcasts, you can check it out there. When we come back, the Joe Ingles Show. Next, stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time for the Joe Ingles Show. We had him on in the 9 o'clock hour yesterday. He was on late because, of course, they got in late from Portland after beating the Blazers. So you'll hear Joe reference last night in the little bit we talk about that game. Uh, but there's some other issues to hit with him. Here is Joe with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Another day, another road win. This is becoming pretty routine, Joe. Eight in a row. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, um... It's, uh, I guess, it's a little bit hard to explain. Not in, in a bad way, I mean, but just I think we've we've done a good job, obviously, of um, winning different ways on the road. I think we've had different guys on on different trips, and, and obviously certain games. Obviously, this trip um, without Donovan being there, um, Rudy Gay yesterday, Rudy Gobert yesterday, just different guys. Um, at different times and I think obviously with the depth of our team that's why you sign the, a, a team as deep as we did and, and bring the players and we did and um, or that we that we have not that we did um, it's been yeah so it's obviously been good I think you, you go through the year and obviously you want to want to be strong at home um, but then everyone says you should obviously try and be as good as you can at home and try and split the road and obviously we've we've done a a good job at home, but obviously a, a probably a better job really on the road, which is is tough to do in this league. Do you know who my favorite player in the NBA is, Joe? Me. I, it used to be, but I think I got to go with Jake Lehman now. Congratulations! I wish you the best. <laughs> we were just talking about trolling, and now you are trolling Joe hard. Come on now. <laughs> He's a great guy. <laughs> I agree, Joe. <laughs> well, we're, we're on the same page there. He's not my favorite player, but... <laughs> what was going on there, man? It didn't seem like you liked him at the time. Well, he's actually with my... With uh, Bartlestein, who's my manager, and obviously a lot of other people's uh, agents in the league. Um, 
and I was talking to Mark the next day and I said something about it obviously joking around is I do I wouldn't say I know Jake um, but obviously being with the same agency and Mark Bartlestein does a good job of his clients knowing each other and, and not not that we sit there and text each other but just having a you, you know who's with the same agent you bump into each other You I haven't worked out with Jake I'm saying but I've I've worked out with other guys in the league that are with Bartlestein um, but it, it was just a bit of a coincidence that it happened that it was him and um, I mean for me it was fine because it kind of fired me off a little bit I probably played a bit better than I've I have played it parts this year, so it was, it was what it was. Um, I think I got teed up, which wasn't, um, which is a couple of dollars down the drain, but whatever. We'll uh, we move on. So, have you ever considered what guys are trying to accomplish when they do that? Because you've been in the league now, so if you're going to be intimidated, you're going to be intimidated by some guy who's unstoppable and going for 50 and 60 not for some guy who you know runs into you on purpose and i gotta admit whenever i see that first off i laugh because it's you and i know we're going to talk about it and then second off i'm thinking well what happened like two three or four possessions earlier that nobody heard or or nobody noticed really it came out of nowhere the so the only thing in my mind as and i mean you guys know if like as in the second unit when i'm with when i'm not starting I for a, a good chunk of my minutes, I usually guard the point guard a lot of the times. Um, which, in that sense, I'm standing at like the half court kind of thing in the middle of the court because point guard's kind of in the middle for, for possessions. And the guy that inbounds it is usually like running down with the. So if you pick up full court, the guy tries to screen you as you're up, like playing kind of some pressure defense or whatever, just to turn the ball a little bit and waste some clock and. If not, so I'm standing there, and I can. I think it was D'Angelo Russell I was guarding, and I could see him running down the court, and I could see Layman coming towards me, and I'm like, oh, like he'll eventually run left or right. Like that's just for sure in this play, he's not meant to be running down the middle of the court. Like, and he kept coming, and he kept coming, and I mean, you put black belt James Johnson there, I'm definitely getting out of the way. Um, but I was like, he's not going to move. Like, as this is getting closer and closer. And I was like, well, I'm not going to move because <laughs> I've been here for about 40 seconds anyway. And then he just, yeah, he just kept. So as he as he obviously got closer, I turned a little bit to, like, brace myself because I didn't want to f- get knocked over. I'm not going to, like, flop and try and get a foul or anything that way. And then, he, yeah, he just kept running. And then, obviously, I was not going to, like, kind of go on with it but then he came back and ran into me again <laughs> into me again that was what I was like alright idiot that's but you had it good. yeah I'm, it I'm wondering how does a how does a player choose an agent you, you've mentioned Bartlestein a few times yeah. now what goes into that I actually heard um, Garrett Temples with Bartlestein as well and, and a couple other guys on his team and we all anyone that's with Mark has no doubt in the world saying he's the best agent in the NBA um, just for, for what he does for his guys and um, it's not a he doesn't have every top 15 player in the NBA he's got a lot of role players he's got guys that he believes in um, not saying he does, he's got Bradley Beal he's got Gordon Hayward he's got a number of extremely high level guys but there there is a big chunk of the Jake Lehman, 
me, um, Garrett Temple, like guys like that, um, Doug McDermott, um, a lot of role players, and and I think um, as you're going through this process of it, so I I was with an Australian agent my first few years, and then realised I wanted to go to Europe, and my Australian agent probably wasn't not well known in, in terms of him being well known, but knowing what teams and and just getting in that market, and then as that went on, Priority Sports has got a really good European base as well um, in terms of who, who their agents are and um, yeah just sat down with a couple of agents and you, you, kind of like an interview process I guess I sat down with two or three and for me it was always with a lot of things that, that not that I not, not that I hire a lot of people um, but people that are involved in our in our life in some sort it's always about the feel of the, the relationship before the work like I want to be able to feel comfortable calling you, feel comfortable with you in my house, feel comfortable with you around my family, feel th- those type of things. And, and that was what I felt with Mark. I just felt really comfortable with him. And um, yeah, it's kind of random. I, uh, it's almost like an interview process, I would say, because you are, they're sitting there telling you what they can do for you and you've got to believe them <laughs> to a certain extent. But then they still have to follow through with, I don't think a lot of no agents are sitting there saying I'm going to promise to get you a hundred million dollars, but there you can do this and this and these teams and like this. I mean, it's a it's a tough job for agents. So yeah, it's a bit of an interview. And like I said, for me, it was it was like ninety five percent about the feel and the, the comfort level being with someone. Because um, like you guys know, I mean, they're they're a big part of it. Like I speak to Mark. Probably not as much as I should, um, and he texts Renee all the time, telling me to answer my phone. Um, <laughs> but they're they're a big part of your life, and I, I've been with him since I was eighteen, nineteen now, something like that. So I've been with him for fifteen years, and um, obviously, like I said, someone that I'm really close with. Um, he knows my children. He knows Renee really well. Obviously, he knows my family, um, and and vice versa. I know his family. And, He's based in Chicago, so go there and, and catch up with him every time. It's, um, it's a really good feel and, and good relationship, but I can see why guys do chop and change agents because a lot of the time I think these people, these people, these, these agents, they not that they promise you things, but they, they want to sign you. They want to get you. They know the potential or they can see the potential and they want to get that, not necessarily that payday, but it's still, that's how they make their money. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's a funny business. It's uh, I would never get into it, but um, I think Mark's respect around the league and with players and all that, and um, it was an easy choice for me. So, did he represent you when you were in Europe? You met him through that uh, when you were looking for an agent to go to Europe and, and yeah. Play there? So my my Australian agent at the time when I was first in the NBA actually kind of sourced out a, f- a few different agents to say, hey, we're looking to partner with someone. Um, ended up just signing with him and they, they sorted out whatever they needed to sort out um, from that point of view. But um, yeah, I signed with him my second year in the NBL. So I was like 18, 19, uh, which was like 2006 or seven. Um, but like I said, so Mark and another couple of guys basically do all the NBA and then there's another kind of branch off the company that does the European guys. They've got a lot of guys in Europe as well. Um, in every 
country in Europe, they've got a kind of like a, a home base scout or agent or whatever you want to call it that if you, on the day to day. So if I was in Barcelona and I needed something and obviously with language barrier and all that, and I needed to, to get a hold of someone and I couldn't get a hold of Mark or one of the European agents and I would call the local guy. Um, and same with NFL, they've got NFL, um, they got coaches, Steve Kerr's with, uh, with priority sports. There's, there's a bunch of coaches as well. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a job I'd want to do. Um, it's a, it's an interesting career. Um, but yeah, like I said, Mark's, uh, unbelievable at it. You have a high-profile job, obviously, Joe, but you come off as a regular guy, and we've known you long enough that that's important to you, and you don't really look at yourself uh, as anything special in terms of, you know, you're a good human being, and that's the most important thing. So I'm wondering, when you see a kid on social media goes nuts because he gets a Joe Ingles jersey for Christmas, how does that make you feel? It's crazy. Um, It is still, I mean, like you said, I I don't, like I'm going (laughs) to, If you could see where I'm standing right now, I'm standing on about 3,000 toys that the kids have thrown all over the house. Um, and it is what it is. I, I obviously thoroughly enjoy the, 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 the life I get to live, obviously, but um, also want to stay as low-key as possible. Um, but then, obviously, you see a lot of things on Twitter and, and whatever, and things that you get tagged in with, with kids or families or people abusing you or whatever <laughs> I, get, I get all thoughts so it's, uh, it's an interesting um, things to read the next morning when you get up but um, no, those ones are, are special and I, I guess like you said like I never I never imagined as a 17 year old when I first signed my first deal that uh, I would have kids begging for uh begging for my jersey or, or jumping around or getting emotional or um, even the stuff with, with autism or, or families and kids or whatever it is, the, the work we can do. Um, people saying it's their dream come true to meet you or to, to get a jersey or um, whatever it is and obviously that sense of work that we can do outside of shooting a hoop and I mean you guys know me and Renee and our family and not that I don't want to downplay the importance of my job in basketball, but they're, they're the things, they're, they're the reasons. Obviously, I'm trying to play my best every night. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but they're the reasons that we, we do what we do and we have the profiles and we, we use the profile to the best we can doing those things because they're the, at the end of the day, I'm going to be an old man that maybe I win a championship, maybe I don't, maybe I make more money, maybe I don't. All those things are, a hit or miss but I can always promise myself and, and Renee and, and the families out there or whatever that I can make an impact in that way and that's what we've tried to do with the, the autism world and try to help out in parts with, with Izzy and her situation with, with what recently just happened so um, they're, they're the things that matter at the end of the day I, I know fans and, and we do as players and owners and wives and families and all that want to win every game possible but um, they're, they're the things that, that will last a lifetime. 
I know that the games come fast and furious, and as soon as they're in the rearview mirror, then it's just like, I can't remember that game, DJ. Don't ask me about it. But I want you to look forward. Does it does the regular season with the matchup with the Warriors, does that have a little – will there be a little extra pep in the step going to the arena that night? Will there be a little – or is it really – it's one out of 82, maybe we see them in the playoffs, maybe we don't, but it's just about to Yeah, no, I think – I think it will. Um, uh, first and foremost, we haven't played them. I, I, we were actually just saying the other night when we were after the game last night, which feels like nights ago, um, like we feel like we've played like Sacramento and Minnesota about 100 times each, but there's obviously some teams we haven't faced at all yet. Um, played some of our East Coast teams. We've already finished like the, the, the season series against them and the, there's all these teams, but... Obviously, there's some pretty good teams, some really good teams we, we haven't played at all. So um, you don't want to obviously get too far ahead because Minnesota's still a good team and, and we've had battles and then we lost to them every game last year. And we also don't kind of forget that either. So you've got to go into that one first, obviously. But then, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting, I think, with the, the level they're playing at. Um, they're obviously playing at extremely high level. Steph is being... Steph, um, what we all kind of know, and I mean, I think he's done his whole career. I think they just didn't win as much last year or the last couple of years, but he was still being being the same player. A few injuries and stuff, but they they're almost back to that team that that obviously a few like I said, uh, Clay's not there, and in terms of the protocol, you kind of wait and see on the day who, who's going to be there. But if you've got a team. That, that Steph, Steph's the head of the snake and Steph's playing. doesn't really matter who else is out there with him at, at certain times. So, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be exciting, I, I think. Playing at home, too, um, for the first one against them, we, we get to obviously have a sold-out crowd. Um, and, we'll, like I said, we'll see we'll see how we go, but we've, we do have to get get through Minnesota first and, and then we'll worry about that. But, yeah, like you said, being a back-to-back, it does come pretty fast as... Wake up! What is it? I mean, we play tomorrow, don't we? I think we mm. play tomorrow. So <laughs> play, play, play Minnesota tomorrow, and then um, back it up against. I think they're the number one record in the, at the moment, or yeah. up there somewhere, one or two. So um, yeah, it'll be a good good challenge for our group the next two games. Yeah, ESPN has been building that uh, matchup with Minnesota, the rematch between Lehman and Ingles. So it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a big deal for sure. Yeah. The funny thing is, I I probably won't even like I won't even go near in this whole game. Like not on purpose. <laughs> I'm saying it just like that's how the game is. Sometimes, sometimes you you guard someone for a whole game, and then the next time you don't even like remember they're on the court because you barely see them. So. I'm in Los Angeles right now because I'm here to cover the Rose Bowl for the uh, for the station, and I'm driving. Yeah, absolutely. Send me. I mean, I'm the bottom of the barrel. There's no question about that. Uh, I'm driving yesterday, and I got a lot of time to kill. Right, Uh, the the weather and uh, the traffic. The drive ends up being two, three hours longer. So I'm looking for stuff to listen to, and I come across a podcast on Hoops Hype. And it has your name in the title. I'll listen to it. I mean, I got 45 minutes to burn. I got, you know, 10 45-minute time segments to burn. So I click it on, and they're talking about possibly trading Joe Ingles. 
And I'm screaming at the phone, no, no, this can't happen, man. I got my jersey for Christmas. I can't. There's no way I can deal with that. So I'm hopefully wondering for can, you. Uh, hopefully they can refund them if they have to. <laughs> <laughs> you just roll with that at this point? Oh, man. I mean, it's – I mean, I've obviously – Probably, I mean, I haven't listened to things like that. I don't. That's the kind of least of my worries, obviously. But I mean, you get like I said, you get tagged in all these things, and um, obviously, I'm I'm human. I I open my phone and read Twitter or or whatever um, social media or articles or whatever too, and not not a lot of them, but. You, you obviously, I've seen it quite a fair, quite a lot, and and, and quite a bit in the the summer or the, the off season or whatever it was. I, I remember waking up from my nap before the semi final against Team USA and was like, basically, like from what I was looking at and the text I was getting, I was like, holy moly, I'm gone, <laughs> I'm gone right now. Um, but uh, I mean, it's it, it's obviously. A tough one from my stand. Obviously, at the end, of the day, I'm very well aware of the business of of that side of of the game. And at the end of the day, obviously for for me and what I guess I've been able to what is it, eight eight years now, whatever. Um, I've been very open about wanting to finish here, um, and I realise that I'm at the other end. So I know that's not like another ten years. <laughs> I'm not trying to trying to stay for that long. Um, but like I said, I obviously understand the, the the business side of it, and I do have a lot of obviously love for the Jazz and the organization and the Millers and Dennis and Quinn for bringing me originally. And um, if something was to happen, obviously that's the the what they assume is the the best for the the organization. So um, if it does, I'd obviously be extremely disappointed. But it, it's life and. Obviously, the the harder part for me is is Renee and the kids, and Jacob has done so well in his school here. Obviously, Miller has has two, and Renee's very comfortable. We're comfortable as a family living here, um, but it, it kind of <laughs> I don't want to say it is what it is because it sounds like I don't care. But um, from, from that, it's obviously not my decision. A lot of it, um, if they decide they need to do something, I would be happy for them if made them better if they thought they were getting better because like I said I do love this organization and the city and we're all here for the same reason we're all here to try and win a championship and be the first team to do it if I can be a part of that great if I can be a piece that helps them do that then I would still feel pretty good about it I would be disappointed that I wasn't here for it but I would be I would be happy for a lot of people um, some very certain individuals I would be very happy for and the ones that trade me, I wouldn't be very happy for, but it, would be, it is what it is. So, uh, like I said, I think, I mean, they, they, they know how I feel about here, but that doesn't come into the conversations when you're talking about winning a championship. They're not saying, hey, we can't, we can't keep, trade Joe for Kevin Durant because Joe's family's happy. Like that's, <laughs> that's not coming into the conversation. So. Okay, I'll agree if it's Durant. You got me there. Well, there's obviously me too. I would, I would ship myself away. Um, but no, it, it, it is. I mean, it is what it is. It, it, stuff comes up every year. Uh, I've been lucky through seven and a half years to not really hear much at all. And uh, obviously, I'm in a contract year. I'm the only player on our team in the kind of main rotation that's in a contract year. So it's a very easy bait to throw out there. So 
like I said, we're, we're happy. We'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously, for me, it's about playing and playing well and, and winning games, and um, I'll keep focused on that and laugh at some tweets every now and then and, and keep it moving. I read a, uh, I read a, <laughs> I read a baseball a book by a baseball player, an autobiography, and I had somebody help him write it, and he got traded, and he was recounting it, and he said the moment on the phone he was told he was traded, he said he wasn't mad. He was waiting to hear who the players were coming back. And he's like, please let it be an all-star and a Hall of Famer. Please let it be an all-star and a Hall of Famer. Don't let it be a cow and three magic beans. Don't let it be a cow and three magic beans. Well, and I think a part of that, too, is you... <laughs> you get a little nervous. you like, you want to know where you're going or if you know people there or, I mean, obviously for, for me right now, I'm in this unbelievable organization in terms of like what people don't even know off the court with how we get looked after. With, like if people knew the day to day here, we have every players come here every year and like, there's no other team like this that do X, Y, A to Z of list of things of, of what they do for us off court and our families and our children and, and things like that. So it's like, obviously you want to, you want to go to a good situation, but like I said, that's for, uh, I don't even know, Ryan, Danny and Justin Zanning to make those decisions. And I'll be putting the loop somewhere when I'm either, <laughs> when I'm either, when I'm either still here or I'm not. Um, and yeah, like I said, we'll see what happens. They, they know how I feel about being here, but it's, uh, it's out of my control. Joe, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining cool. us. Happy New Year. Good luck in these games, and we'll talk to you again in another week. Appreciate it. Have a good day. There's Joe Ingalls. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Stay with us.